And now, WBW Theater. Welcome to WBW Theater. Listen to a series of radio dramas, comedies, mysteries, thrillers, westerns, all dedicated to preserving the golden age of radio. Those thrilling days of yesteryear, way back when families gathered together around the living room radio to join the theater of the mind. Listen now as we take you way back when imagination ruled and creativity had no limits. Listen now to WBW Theater. Calling all detectives. At a time when apartments were scarcer than hen's teeth, one place had nine tenants in three months, and the last tenant was death. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. Every once in a while, a private detective like me, Jerry Browning, gets a case that gives him a new lease on life. The man who opened the door of my office was big and booming. Leases, Mr. Browning, that's what I deal in. Long-term leases. Name's Endicott J. Knapp. Mr. Knapp, I have a decent apartment, my own long-term lease on this office, so don't waste your time trying to sell me. I'm not here to sell you anything, Browning. I want to buy your services. I want you to find a tenant for a fine apartment. I blinked. Are you kidding, Mr. Knapp? You mean these days you've got trouble renting an apartment? Knapp nodded glumly. Brother, trouble is the word. I handle the Crestfield, a 24-flat building over on Barker Street. Up to three months ago, it didn't have a vacancy. Fact is, there was a waiting list a mile long. But then a young couple moved out, went back east. After that, things began to happen in the apartment they vacated. What kind of things, Mr. Knapp? Weird things. Lights flashing, thumping noises, footsteps that couldn't be traced. The new tenants couldn't stand it. They moved out, and the next people on the waiting list moved in. They stayed two days. Browning, in less than three months, I've had nine tenants in that apartment. Nobody stays. I want you to find out what's wrong with that apartment. And if you can prove what I already suspect, then... He stopped, mopped his forehead, and looked at me helplessly. Then what, Mr. Knapp? Catch the ghost that's haunting it. I was hired by a real estate agent to get rid of a ghost that seemed to inhabit an otherwise desirable apartment. I drove Endicott J. Knapp back to his realty office and went on to Barker Street. I parked a few doors away from the Crestfield Apartments, walked into the little foyer, rang the bell marked Joe Oswald, janitor. I heard the door of the basement flat open, and then a tall, lanky character came out. Yeah? What is it? Any vacancies? Joe Oswald, janitor, eyed me narrowly. We had one, but fellas moving in today. You want to be next on the waiting list? You look okay to me. I'll fix it with the agent. You'll have an apartment real soon. I will? Well, this is my lucky day. The janitor gave me a dour grin. Yeah? You're in luck, all right. As long as you don't say what kind... I called Knapp, told him not to be surprised when he was asked to put my name on the waiting list for an apartment at the Crassfield. Then, armed with some names and addresses from him, I went calling. 
First, I visited William Bolton at his office in the Manufacturer's Trust Exchange. Mr. Bolton, about three months ago, you rented a flat in the Crestfield Apartments. Bolton's eyes grew round, his face got gray. That place, it's responsible for my wife's nervous breakdown. I don't wish to discuss the Crestfield now or at any time. Get out! I got. I spent the rest of that day and all the next talking to previous tenants. I went to trailer camps, crummy rooming houses, cramped kitchenettes. And what I got was a variation on the same old theme. Even in broad daylight, the thought of that place gives me the chills. We rented that flat as our honeymoon apartment. So what happened? My bride went home to her mother. See this dump I'm living in now? Believe me, chum, I like it here. When I hear something crawling, I know it's bugs, not ghosts. It was about 8 p.m. when I drove back to the Crestfield to see my pal Joe Oswald. Well, what'd I tell you, mister? The apartment's yours, only maybe you won't want it now. Are you crazy? Why wouldn't I want it? Go on up, see for yourself. I saw. The place was swarming with cops. There was a dead man stretched out on the sofa. Lieutenant Dawson came over to me. Jerry, I don't know why you dropped in here, but I sure am glad to see you. I told Dawson whom I was working for and warned him not to tell anybody in the building that I was a detective. We pooled our information. I learned that the dead man's name was Stephen Gardner. His business, stocks and bonds. According to the neighbors, nothing unusual had happened until two hours before when they heard Gardner scream and ran to investigate. By the time they broke in, Gardner was dead. They weren't sure, but they thought they heard a spooky laugh. Jerry, what we're up against is a ghost killer. I pointed to the dead man's neck. Dawson, this man was strangled, and ghosts don't leave bruises. I left Dawson's men working, went back to Knapp, broke the news of the murder to him. There was nothing more I could do until I could move into the apartment. When I arrived, the janitor met me. You can use the furniture until yours arrives. I thanked him, shooed him out of the place. The first thing I did was go over every inch of that apartment. When I got to my trouble was sore knuckles. The walls were solid, so were the floors. No tricky compartments, no fake switches. I sat down, read the report on the dead man's background. Just then, everything started to happen. Lights clicked on and off. There was an eerie thumping. What I did about it was nothing whatever. The disturbance lasted about 15 minutes. But believe me, it felt like 15 years. When it was all over, I called on the Bensons in the next flat. And they were the people who'd found Gardner. Well, neighbor, see, you can't take it either. When are you moving? Before I could answer, Joe came hurrying down the hall toward us. You all right, mister? Everything okay? Yeah, Joe. Everything's okay. I think we've caught the ghost. Benson looked frightened. And Joe edged toward him slowly. I moved fast. I grabbed Joe. Finally got the handcuffs on him. Joe, you gave yourself away when you knew something was wrong before anyone told you. He tried to lie out of it, said he'd noticed the flickering on the electric meter in the basement. It won't work, Joe. I know the whole story. Years ago, Stephen Gardner swindled you. Sold your stocks not worth the paper they were printed on. You took him to court, but Gardner beat the rap. Joe broke down then, confessed he'd been planning for years to kill Gardner. The apartment shortage gave him his chance. 
He'd helped other people get on the Crestfields waiting list. When Gardner came looking for an apartment, he did not recognize the man he'd defrauded. That's when Joe devised his plan. It was easy for him, the janitor, to switch lights on and off from the fuse box in the basement. Easy to pound the pipes and create those terrifying noises and thumpings. A passkey made it easy to open doors at will and build the illusion of ghosts to drive all tenants away until Gardner's name came up. And then his number was up. Joe continued the hocus-pocus with me, figuring to surround the killing with the aura of the supernatural before and after he'd got his man and thus establish his innocence. Like I said, there are some cases that give you a new lease on life, especially when you can prove that no one has the ghost of a chance to get away with murder. Join us again as we bring you exciting thrills and adventure, rip-roaring comedy, and shoot-em-up westerns and gangbusters. Next time, when your imaginations will be invited into the theater of the mind with WBW Theater.